So everyone, thank you for joining us. I'm Gareth. I'm here with Tahir, my co-host. Peace. Today we have Jelani of Cartfuel. Uh, we're here today to talk a little bit about his startup, his story, and his thoughts on the changing natures of the ownership economy. So before we dive into all that, Jelani, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? We'd love to hear kind of how you found your way into tech. We always kind of start with that. How did you find your, what's your origin story? Yeah, so I have a marketing background. I went to school for marketing. And when I graduated from college, I had like a six month nine to five. And I was like, this is not it. Like, <laughs> so I started to drop ship. That's actually how I got my way into like the internet marketing space. I was drop shipping back when uh, Facebook ads were profitable. And uh, yeah, I was, I, that's how I kind of got introduced to like this whole world of side hustles, if you will. So I started drop shipping. I started working at ClickFunnels. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're like a big tech company out in Boise, Idaho. I started working them for them remotely. And from there, I actually was able to network with other high profile gurus, if you will. So I started actually doing side work for a lot of those people. I don't want to name drop, but like there's a lot of people who are doing who you probably know on YouTube and stuff like that. So I would build like their funnels and just help with marketing and strategy consulting. And from there, just kind of branched out. While I was with one of the clients, I actually built a software for him. First time like project managing it, like learning about all this stuff on another person's dime. So it was cool. Like I was getting paid to do marketing, but then also getting paid to learn, which was an awesome experience. Um, and I could touch more on that later because I think that's a good route for a lot of people to go down. But like during that experience, the software didn't actually get published. So it was like we built this whole thing, but nothing came of it. So after I started working with that client, I was like, I can probably build this on my own, which is kind of how Cartfield came about. And we could talk more about Cartfield. But to make a long story short, basically, I help clients with marketing funnels, automations during the day. And then during the night, if you will, I'm building a startup called Cartfuel, which is a way for um, entrepreneurs and digital marketers to take payments online. Um, so that's the short story, but I, I would love to go a little bit deeper for your audience. The thing that kind of jumped out to me, right, is I think first thing you said about how you lasted about what six to nine months at a job. Yeah. And you, immediately you realized this isn't for me. Um, yeah. Do you think, I guess, I'm interested in why it was so short, right? I think for most people that they probably, they put in five years, they put in 10 years. What kind of gave you the confidence to right away say, I already can tell that <laughs> there's no value here for me? Yeah. I mean, I always had the entrepreneurial spirit growing up. I would have like a notebook and just like, I would draw these different ideas and like inventions since I was young. And I always knew that like, I wanted to work for myself in some capacity. So when I worked at this job for like six months, it was, it was boring. It was like a color communications company. So like they figure out like different color codes for like your living rooms and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of interesting, but not really for me. I was like doing sales work. So I would like have to call people up and it was just like, I wasn't really built for that, I didn't think. So literally during those, <laughs> when I worked there, I would be searching like how to make money online. And I found this website called Penny Hoarder. And he was just talking about how you can basically sell products from China and then ship them from China and you know deliver them from China. I was like, oh, this sounds pretty cool. So yeah, I think I always had the entrepreneur spirit. And I knew when I had that job, it was kind of like I was forced to get it because I was living with my grandparents at the time and I was playing poker online and I was making money, but they were like, this is not a real job. Like you need to get <laughs> So I was like, okay, cool. So I, I was like, fine, I'll, I'll do the whole thing just to you know please you. But I knew that it wasn't going to be something that I would do long term. Yeah. 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 Funny you said what just a sidebar of uh I used to play a lot of online poker. Was oh, it did full you? Tilt? full tilt or poker stars? Where are you on? Poker stars. So on uh the New Jersey client. So I'm from yeah. originally from New Jersey. I live in San Diego right now. But yeah, I would play on poker stars. 
88 and uh yeah it was it was fun <laughs> yeah i'm from before black friday so i'm i'm in the uh, old days yeah old yeah days. yeah <laughs> well you had a lot of fun then you had a lot of fun uh, unreal that it's banned if you don't know what we're talking about basically like united states legislators i don't know someone lobbied for you know poker to not be legal uh like online poker not to be legal in the 50 states so now there's only specific states you could play online poker in new jersey delaware nevada and i think like one or two other but it's it's ridiculous but that's another story for another day there's <laughs> uh i swear there's some connection between poker and uh, entrepreneurship oh yeah 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 risk risk tolerance yeah risk management's intolerance right absolutely absolutely because you need to know like you know what are the odds of you hitting this card or like you know money management like you said as well because you only have a certain amount of chips right so you got to conserve and make the bets that will make you the best you know ev if you will but there's a good book called thinking and bets it's a great book and it kind of correlates poker to entrepreneurship and business and how if you are able to think in bets and think in the way of like what is the best de- decision with the cards that i'm dealt like how can i make the best out of this right and that's you know that says about a lot about life too like you know everyone's dealt a different hand but it's just how you how you work with it so it's a good book yeah yeah i'm gonna check that out um thanks for the rec um yeah for sure you mentioned something that was interesting gareth and i talk about a lot we've talked about it recently which is you know you worked at click funnels you mentioned you know, very prominent software company and probably anybody who's an online entrepreneur has come in contact with it at some point i would imagine but anyway you mentioned working there and mm-hmm. using that as kind of a, a learning opportunity. I was you know, talk about if you have the opportunity to work someplace where you are not using your money to experiment or your business's money, you're working with other people's dollars to learn how to market, right? Do demand marketing, performance marketing, whatever it is. Yeah. That's a come up. And sure. it's kind of antithetical to a lot of discourse that's out there, which is like, you know, do your own thing. There's a lot of, you know, a cry for independence and freedom and work. But can you talk about how working someplace or working for ClickFunnels in particular helped propel your career? Yeah, no, that's a great. Propel your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that question. So I do working there. So I'm the type of person that like I like to learn. So I I enjoy learning new things and working there. I learned a lot and it's kind of like a toolbox. Like every, everything that I learned, it kind of goes into my toolbox and I can use that later. So working at ClickFunnels, I learned a lot about customer service, customer experiences. And from there, I was able to really form relationships with people that I knew I could potentially leverage. And I don't want to say leverage as like a negative thing, but like at the end of the day, like everyone is trying to get something out of everyone. And if you can be a value of someone, it doesn't mean that it has to be a negative thing. So I knew that I could be a value of these people in some way or some, you know, some shape. So I would just form these relationships with the people just because I knew that ClickFunnels, it wasn't going to be a forever thing. So like, I kind of just made sure that I was pleasant with these people so that when the time came, I can reach out to them and say, Hey, like, do you need anything? Like, I'm proficient in what I do. I, you've seen my work, like, you know what I, I've done, like I can be of service of you. So long story short, I went to, after I was done working at ClickFunnels, I went to Funnel Hacking Live, which is this conference that ClickFunnels throws. And I started working with someone that I met there actually. So I was networking at the event. And I think a lot of the opportunities that people can get is just by talking and networking. I learned that from a young age because I used to run a blog when I was like 15. My uncles who are a great inspiration in my life, they taught me that if you can't be used, you're useless. So you have to be some value. You have to be a value of something. So like at 15, I was going to these parties and networking with like these celebrities and like 
people who I had no business kind of talking to at 15, like going into these parties where they're drinking and smoking, like, but it gave me the, the, um, the insight to be like, wow, like you can really get in places where you're not necessarily supposed to be, but if you can network and talk to people, like you can literally get with anyone. So I kind of took that and put it in my toolbox when at Funnel Hacking Live, I just kind of did what I had to do, which was talk to people and see how I can help them. And that being able to form those relationships at ClickFunnels and then taking that to a real life scenario, whereas like we were at the conference and then talking and put a, a name to a face, it's really powerful. And you can do a lot of things when you just show up. So I showed up and I was able to get a high paying client from that client. I was making like 8K a month. And then from that client, I started just forming relationships with other people from that client. And then it's like word of mouth thing. Like now I'm in the circle of all these high players who are in the marketing space where I don't really have to do promotion. People know what I do and they kind of just come to me, which is a good place to be <laughs> where you really don't have to do anything. Yeah. People know your work. They know who you are and they can vouch for you. And you know, like 10K a month is nothing to some of these people, right? But mm -hmm. it's a come up for sure, you, you know, for a lot of people. So speaking of that, I think that's a great way to like build a startup because what I'm doing is like I'm bootstrapping my startup and I'm able to do that because I have high paying clients who, you know, they value what I do and they're able, they're able to afford my services, right? So that money just kind of funds into to this, this asset that I intend to eventually exit. So amazing, amazing. All right. So you talked about being able to open doors, you know, that you typically wouldn't be able to. How much do you think basically, I don't want to say like trading on the name of Click, Click Funnels, but basically having like the institution behind you, right? Whereas if you were just at a smaller, you know, agency or something like that, and you were kind of going to these big clients, you might not be able to kind of convince them as easily about that type of signing them so quickly. Yeah, I, th I think it does have something to do with being able to because, but you know what, That's I would say it does, but it doesn't because I feel like there's a lot of people who I worked with at the time there who weren't able to really do like do what I do with working with other people like who I work with. So the name definitely does, but I think it definitely comes down to the person because yeah. at the end of the day, it's just like, it's, it's a job, right? If it's not like I was a full-time employee, I was technically a contractor at the time and I was basically VIP support, which is what they, basically I was helping these clients who pay ClickFunnels a lot of money and I was just helping them with like technical support essentially. But there's a lot of people doing that, but I was able to like not charm them, but I was just, I'm just who I am. Like I'm a kind, honest person who wants to genuinely help people and that, that translates well, even over a computer. So uh, yeah. I think the combination of being in that being in that position and then being able to understand the opportunity and then acting on the opportunity definitely helped. Amazing. Yeah, that makes sense. It kind of like opens the door, but you still have to do the work, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, so. exactly. Um, kind of switching gears towards what you're working on now. What was the inspiration kind of behind that? Was it simply you saw the same problem over and over? Was it kind of a long-term passion? What what kind of drove you to the point where you said, I need to start this now? For cart fuel? Yep. Yeah. I think, like I said, I was working with that client and I had done it. Like I basically built the V1 and I was like, this is actually a pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like when I get my mind on something, like I know I can execute on it. I'm just, that's the type of person I am. Like I, I'm like, I'm an obsessive person when it comes to things that I enjoy doing. Like if I enjoy this, I'm going to obsess over it. So I felt like it was just now or never. And I had taken a course by Sam Parr. I don't know if you're familiar with him, yeah, Sam Parr and yeah, Gog and Biani. They took, they had a course. It was like a one-time course. What was it called? Ideation Bootcamp. And yeah, I've uh, seen that. Yeah. So they were talking about, you know, just 
building ideas. And then I had brought this idea to them um, during one of the live calls. And Sam was like, I don't know if you'll, you know, make, you know, $50 million from this business, but you'll probably make, you know, a full-time income. I was like, okay, that's, a, that's, that's a good, you know, I can do that. Um, but then when you start thinking about like SaaS in general and thinking about like SaaS valuations, like it just, it's wild. Like <laughs> it's like, it's like almost like a lottery ticket. That's how I think about it. And also I'm helping people, but it's like, this is my first step to doing something really monumental. Like this will get me that cash needed to build a long-term like 10-year business, which is what I intend to do. Like I, every intention is to build this up, to sell and then take that cash to build like a 10-year. So by 40 years old, I'm like, I'd never have to work again. So, but yeah, I think like SaaS is, there's no better business than SaaS. Like it's just, mm. yeah. You know, I guess the, the reasons why people love SaaS are pretty well documented, like the predictability, recurring revenue. Yeah. Once you've built it, it's essentially you're maintaining an asset that you've already built and you can keep selling against it. It's very desirable in the market, all that stuff. Is there anything yeah. though that the average person or the lay person the casual observer of this space might not realize is an upside. That we, um, you know, it's gonna talk about. It's gonna take way longer than you expect, and it's gonna take more cash <laughs> than you expect. Especially bootstrapping, which is why I think like like learning a skill like copywriting, funnel building, website building, and then able to take that cash into like building the the SaaS or the idea is like the best route to do it because the high paying skill will allow you to not feel so stressed out when you're bootstrapping your idea. And it gives you the time because it, it's all about, for me, I think it's about time, right? Like if you keep iterating on something and you put the reps in and the time in, it's going to work out. Like it's just, can you afford to do that? Especially when you don't have VC funding, right? Like, can you afford to do that? Most people probably not because they don't have a high paying skill. But if you could learn a high paying skill, go on YouTube, literally, like you can learn literally anything, like anything I want to learn or just YouTube it and I learn it. And then you can just translate that into dollars. I mean, it's probably easier said than done, but I think if you really put your, like, if you really put effort into it, like there's no yeah. stopping you, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think definitely time and the cash that, that it takes, especially if you're not a developer like me, I'm not a developer. So this whole thing is built off of other developers who are just translating my ideas, which is very expensive. So yeah, you definitely need to have that, that room to play if you're not um, taking, taking funding. I think that's almost universal though, where SaaS or not, right? You need yeah. more runway than you can possibly. Yeah. Another question that I kind of had about, because some of the ideas that you talked about, you know, we're both, we follow LLC, Twitter, money, Twitter, whatever. Yeah, you yeah, call it. Yeah. How much has that influenced your learning and how much do you think it's expedited or, or maybe, you know, good or bad? I'm interested in your just kind of thoughts on the space. Yeah. So back to when I was, I mentioned the blog. So like when I was 15, like 14 to like 17, 18, I ran this blog and I ran the blog through Twitter. So like before Twitter was actually even popping like it is right now, like I already knew the power of Twitter since I was young. So like, I think Twitter still is underrated. The networking opportunities, the learning opportunities are is so underrated. It's probably the number one social network in my opinion. But yeah, I, I think now where there's, I think a lot of people who are way smarter than I am are on Twitter. You can learn so much. So what I do typically is I'll use Readwise, which is this app where it just like saves the threads. And then it's connected to my Rome research database. So like literally any thread that I think is interesting, I just Readwise it. I just at Readwise, save thread. Um, on Twitter and then it goes into my database and then I can go back and reread the threads or like kind of connect the dots to different threads that kind of correlate to this thread, for example. And then I can learn that way. But I think Twitter's 
such a great resource. And I definitely have learned so much. And I'm still learning like a lot about finance, financial literacy, like how to use debt to your advantage as leverage, right? Like there's just so many things, especially when you follow money Twitter and LLC Twitter, like it's just unbelievable. It really is. It's crazy. Yeah. You have to put up with some some obnoxious votes, but for the yeah. most part, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, uh, you know there was a, a big thread. I'm not sure if you saw it, so feel free to comment on it if you had a chance to read it. But there was this big thread on Twitter by the Bolt CEO recently, where he was kind of talking about how Y Combinator and Stripe had were kind of working in conjunction together, whereby the Stripe basically gives a bunch of credits to all the Y Combinator startups. Y Combinator through Hacker News promotes everything Stripe does. And he was basically- No, I didn't see that one. Okay, I'll, I'll share that with you after the call. Yeah, uh, please do. Very interesting thing where he's basically alluding that like, it's not the PayPal mafia anymore. It's like kind of the Stripe mafia. So I won't ask you to comment because obviously you haven't read it yet, but definitely a good read. And it, I mean, he doesn't really allude either. Like he's he's pretty, <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty yeah. explicit, you know? Yeah, yeah he breaks it down. I definitely- all of to, to be taken with a grain of salt because he's obviously in a business that's in petition yeah. to strike. But he does make some some interesting observations and just based on being in companies that were looking at Bolt versus Stripe for a solution. People yeah, I love mean, Stripe. Stripe is Stripe is the darling out here. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's I like an awesome it. product. I mean, there's yeah. no. I mean, it's it's a dope product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I can't comment on it because I haven't read it, but I mean, Stripe is pretty awesome. So, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be, and you know, that's, that's one of the things was like negative presses. I mean, press is press. So like, it's kind of like, uh, I think Sam talks about it where you go, you go after the big dog because you know that the big dog is going to give you the press. So like now people are talking about bolt, right? So it kind of, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. But yeah, definitely share the thread with me. I would love to read it. Sure. For sure. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. Man, what do you think about you sound? So first of all, you, you mentioned you're not, you're not an engineer by trade. Mm-mm. And you're you're working a lot with engineers, and that. I'd like to hear what you think in terms of best practices. Again, this is something that we talk about a lot, like working with engineers for non-engineers and bringing products and projects to life when you have to work with engineers and doing stuff with no code, right? So I'm mm-hmm. I'm imagining you you've got proficiency with that as well. You know, having built funnels for click funnels, obviously you've got some some skills there. So it would be interesting to hear what your thoughts are around that and. If you have thoughts about what you think the highest value skills are to develop for mm. someone who's maybe looking to venture out on their own or build um, a consultancy of their own. Yeah. So I'll start there. So I think the high paying skills that um, are worth anything, I think website development. So like Webflow, for example, if you can learn Webflow, the resources on Webflow to learn Webflow are absolutely amazing. So you can literally just watch all their free content and learn Webflow. But there's tons of YouTube videos out there. It's probably, I think, honestly, that's my number one right now is Webflow. Just because it's so easy to build really nice websites that are presentable, you can literally just go on Google and look all of the sites websites of businesses near you and just look at the ones that are bad and then be like, Hey, like I can make your website better. Right. And you just use Webflow. Like it's awesome. Yeah. I think copywriting is a evergreen uh, skill that will never go anywhere. I think, um, uh, media buying will never go anywhere. I think those are the like top three, to be honest with you, like you'll make money forever. Like you'll never have to work a job like ever if you learned one of those three, but yeah. So back to your question about being uh developing something that's not developing something that you're not a developer so right now i'm actually learning to code because now i'm like all right i'm at the point where i I have so many ideas i kind of just want to 
get my hands dirty. But yeah, so what I did was I, when I had this idea, I went on YouTube and I figured out how to design in Figma. So that was like my first step because I wanted to have a visual uh, like representation of what was in my head. So I learned how to use Figma and then I went to Upwork and found a developer from India who I had worked with before on like a Chrome extension project. Like he built like two Chrome extensions for me in the past. So I kind of knew that he was capable of developing and I trusted him, which is my first lesson, which will be like hire someone on Upwork to do something minimal just so that you can like build that trust, but then also fire people really fast. Because I mean, after a while, you'll you'll get understanding of like what someone can do and what capabilities that a person can do and if they're playing you or not. I mean, probably not at first, but like that's what I'm saying. If you hire someone to do something minimal, then you'll kind to get the gist of it. But that's my biggest lesson is hiring fast, firing faster. And then, uh, so I went to Upwork, got the guy from India to build like my first MVP. It took about like a month or so. And through that, it's just been iter- iterating, honestly. So just doing still keeping that same guy, but then adding new developers on who I can kind of rotate in and out. And then just doing again, testing them out to doing minimal things. And then once they do the minimal thing, then it's like, okay, now I want to advance them to do something more. At first, when you're first starting out, it may not be um, as easy because you don't have anything for them to do minimal. Like for example, the Chrome extension thing I had, I think it cost me like $700 to build or something like that. But I had an asset, right? Like a Chrome extension is an asset and this guy built it. And now I I can trust his work. So it was kind of like one of those things. And go like I'm still learning as I go, right? I think systems are also really important when you don't know how to develop. So like for me, for example, I use Slack. And then within Slack, I have a procedure where my developers, my VAs, they follow and they understand how it works. But that also takes time to, to implement. I think it comes down to the person and their skill sets and how they how they work. For me, I've had experience managing people just because I have clients and they gave me people to manage in the past. So like it kind of translated into my own thing. But if you're just starting out, it may be a bit difficult to kind of get your foot, like get a grounding of get a grounding of how things work. I don't know if you want me to share my screen, but I can share my screen and show you my my Slack my Slack Please. setup. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, hold on. Let me see. Do you feel your a question that kind of comes to mind? Um, for me, I agree with a lot of what you said about Figma and and, and Webflow. Like, I run um, a consulting agency myself in, in the software space, and even I kind of recommend for most clients like just do it in Webflow. And even I use Webflow for most um lo-fi like projects so yeah have you gotten to a point where you feel you can trust like a number two who's kind of more than a va more than a developer and they're almost managing the development side of it and you're kind of moving more and more into whether it's business development or kind of customer service type stuff yeah so i my va basically handles the customer service side so i don't really touch customer service but i have insight i have visibility on everything because of the way that the way that this Slack system is set up. And as far as like a lead dev, if you will, like I do have a lead dev. So like in my channels, I basically do this thing where like, for example, I I just put a topic and then the devs know, or the VA knows like these, what these emojis mean. The ladybug just means it's a bug. This just means they've seen it. This is like a code red. And this just means it, it got done. Um, but basically this kind of keeps it really tight and needy and I can search for anything. And then the devs know what, what I'm asking for, because I'll say it and explain it in here. But a better example is like, I will, what I do is I will, let's see if this gave it in here. Yeah. So like, for example, like this little thing here, I always shoot loom. So this is a big thing for me. So if you're just starting out, I highly I, I live on loom. Yeah. I live. Like I live oh, no. on looms, literally I live on, live on looms. 
So like my developer, like they know and my VA know, like they expect looms for me. And this is something that I would recommend anyone who's just getting started out is like, if you want to have good clarity communication, which is I think number one thing when it comes to building anything and running anything is clear communication, use Loom and then back it up with text. Like I can't stress that enough. But yeah, this system works really well for me where like I just put a thing in here and like my VA knows what to do. Like if there's an issue, he'll just report it. And then like in here, he'll say exactly what's going on. And then, you know, then the, the dev, I don't really have to say anything. I just say things because I want to you know, I have my hands on everything, but he knows what to do, right? The point is like, you want to train up people so that you don't have to be involved and then you can just focus on business operations. The way I train people is I use this thing called, it's called a task. I call it task clarity template. You can call it whatever you want. It's basically an SOP, but essentially this is like how I train my VAs or my devs or anyone that's going to be on the team is basically I write these out, but now I train my, my VAs trained up on how to write these out. But when I first started doing this, I would write all this out. I'll take an hour out of my day and just list out all the things I need that I do and then make an SOP on it and then hand it off. So basically it's just like, what's the objective? What's your vision? Like, why are we doing this? The deadline, et cetera. And then you outline all the steps of the particular task that is going to get done and you back it up with the loom. So like, there's basically no way that the person who's following this can get it wrong. And if they do, I mean, they can just ask you questions, but if you've done it correctly, there's pretty much no way for them to mess up because there's a visual and then there's text to back up the visual. I think that's really important. So like this system has helped me dramatically when it comes to running cart fuel, just because I... I trained up people to to know how things should get done, right? And I, I have little, I can focus more on like where cart fuel is going and focusing on like the next features that is going to move the needle to increase MR, right? And not focusing on things that I will, you know, like support. Yeah. I think support's a huge thing as well. Like as a founder, like you should know what people are saying, which is why like in Slack, whenever there's a support thing, like my VA would just like list it in here and then I re reply. But if it's something that he knows how to handle, he'll write it, he'll film a loom and then he'll just reply because people repeat things, right? Like not everything needs to be re reported. But yeah, that's what I recommend, especially for non-devs is like get your communication dialed in and then train people to do things that, you know, that you don't necessarily need to be doing in the business so that you can focus on how you can move the needle and, you know, implement new features that people are asking about, emailing customers, talking to customers, right? like, so those things are important. Yeah. The thing I, I was going to point out on that piece of what you're saying was to me, I think like the next kind of great advantage is like automation. It's like yeah, people who can sure. set up no code, like, you know, the Slack Zapier integrations that you have yeah. tying that in with Loom. There's so many kind of advanced things that you can do that just basically pipe data through systems. Totally. And so you're not kind of having to have so many hands on things. And yeah, Zapier, 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 whatever. It's, it's, uh, I love that tool. I'm in that tool like every yeah, day. My favorite things yeah. that, uh, yeah. tools I have, but. The last thing I was just going to ask, because we don't want to take up too much of your time, Jelani, is obviously, you know, I've seen some of the stuff that you posted about Web3. You're obviously very excited in the space. We could go into like how you got into it, you know, but I'm more interested in what are you most excited in, in the space? What's kind of exciting you the most? Honestly, I think NFTs, but not necessarily the how NFTs are being used today. I think the verification of NFTs is really interesting. Like I'm more excited for when NFTs are used, for example, like voting and used for or like smart contracts are used for validating who voted for who so that, you know, we don't get a situation where we just had, right? Like oracles and like I don't get too like crazy, but like oracles, 
match with smart contracts, it's really hard to say, oh, this did not happen, right? Like it happened, it's validated, here's the proof, right? And I think that in itself is really powerful, which is, I don't think we've had anything like that throughout history where we have a concrete validation for something. So I'm excited for when that gets to a more real world application outside of just art. And I think we're, we're headed there. We're seeing more like music NFTs. We're seeing like concert ven- like venues use NFTs. So I think it'll take some time, but I think we are headed in that direction where we have more, more validated proof for things that actually happen in the real world. Amazing. Awesome. To hear, is there any last uh, questions that you, you wanted to throw out there? I mean, not necessarily any questions, but if there there's any advice you would give people, I think there's a lot that you've said here that's kind of counter to the narratives, especially because I, I live in Silicon Valley, right? So there's the whole VC thing that kind of alters the reality and perceptions about, you know, business and what it is to actually start a business, even in tech, right? Yeah. And, you know, from what I'm understanding, you've never really, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've never taken capital, you've never... I did a small have family raise money for the around. business or taking on capital. I did a small family. Right. But, yeah. But like but nothing, nothing that, no. exactly nothing institutional, right? Like nothing. No. And I think that's a narrative that's really unique. And maybe it's not, but it's not one that's talked about enough because I think it's viable. And the thing that you said too, about just, you know, working your day job and doing your thing on the side, right? There's the, what's inferred in there is, you know, passion, right? Like you can be fanatical about things, but that fanaticism, right, applied in the right way is kind of what makes things work. And I would wonder, you know, what advice do you have for people? Do you feel like that fanaticism is a requirement to be a successful entrepreneur, to be an entrepreneur with success at the scale you are seeking? I think so. I think you have to have something, if it's the business or the goal, it is something that you have to kind of obsess about. And for me, it's like, I, I'm I have an entrepreneurial gift and a curse where like I have so many interests and I have a lot of talents and I can do a lot of things. So like focus is like the hardest thing for me to do. But when I realize that when I focus, I'm able to really build this thing that's going to get me to where I can do multiple things and hire teams and hire people, then I I can do that. And I'm young enough where I feel like I still have time on my side where I can take the time to learn these skill sets, learn these lessons, and then I can apply those lessons later down the line. I think that VC is great. Like if you can get VC, like that's awesome. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But I do think there's an alternative route to building big businesses or not even big businesses, but like businesses that, you know, make money. And that could definitely be just working your job. There's no problem. I used to be one of those people who'd be like, oh, I hate like having a job because jobs suck and, you know, nine to five suck. But I mean, I don't have a nine to five and I kind of work my own schedule. But if you have a nine to five or you work your own schedule, it's still a gateway like to do what you want to do, right? Like it's not, it's temporary, especially if you have your sights on something bigger. It's just a temporary thing. It's a temporary way for you to not only potentially learn on someone else's dime, but make money so that you can, you know, start building the dream or the the business, the idea that you want to build. And yeah, I think that that's going to be, I think that's a catalyst for what we're seeing in 2022 and beyond is like people are realizing that they can re- literally build the dreams that they want. I think COVID actually opened a lot of people's eyes to seeing that, you know, there's more to just, there's more to life that, you know, there's, there's a lot of things and opportunities out there. Um, if you apply yourself, then you could definitely, 
get whatever you want, basically. So I think also with micro acquire as well, we're going to see like a lot of small businesses get acquired, right? Like there's there's a lot of private equity firms who may want to buy something that you know is an asset to some of their other assets, or they want to buy the newsletter as a media arm to you know their business. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for you know small business and medium sized businesses for you to make money. And for me, like like I said, I my whole goal is to build this, learn my lessons, get some cash, and then I can kind of fund the next idea because the next idea, whatever that is, I know it's going to take more money than what Cartfield did. But yeah, I think it just comes down to what the individual person wants and then just, you know, setting a plan, whether that's to raise money, that's cool, or to stay at your nine to five or whatever job that you have and then take that cash and deploy that to build what you want to build. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So many insights in such a short time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. of gold in there, man. A lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. So thank you again for, for joining us. Continued success, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. See ya. Peace. Bye-bye.